space. The final frontier. And we'll get there eventually. But for now, we're hanging out in the studio and we're talking about it. This is the Scene Snobs Presents Warp Factor Fiction, a chronological analysis of Star Trek on screen. Every month we bring you two new episodes where we talk about one full season of Star Trek in order all the way through. And we can't wait for you guys to get in on it with us. If you want to join a discussion, make sure you're in the comments or head over to our Discord. Uh, the video is available on our Patreon as an exclusive feature. You can go check that out there or listen to the podcast wherever podcasts are put out. Thank you guys so much for being here to listen to this. Uh, please let us know what you think as we get in depth. This is our first episode where we talk about Season 1 of Enterprise. It was a little rude and crude. We were getting into it and we are trying to figure out how we're doing things. But we think you'll enjoy it and have a good time with us. So stay tuned. Let's talk about Star Trek and have some fun. What's up, everybody? We are back for another episode of Warp Factor Fiction, a chronological analysis of Star Trek on screen. Guys, this is the fourth episode that we're doing, and we're covering season two of Enterprise. You may have seen episode one. If you haven't, make sure to get back there. Of course, this is a Patreon-based show, so go. We appreciate you supporting, but go tell more. Tell everybody about Trek and bring them on here as we discover and analyze star trek all the way through all the way every in entirety <laughs> I, I you know what i i you know before we get started on uh season two back half of season two for enterprise what is one thing in this whole journey that maybe you're not mo the most excited to watch uh as we continue on yeah coming up I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Enterprise actually hurts a little later in the later seasons. That's fair. There's there's a few uh, episodes that get that get wonky and some character choices that I'm not a big fan of. I agree. Mine is wholeheartedly the original series animated series. Oh, that one's going to be really hard. That's going to be that because that is 70s claymation, clay, not claymation, but the the clay animation that they did. Mm -hmm. uh, that company that uh, that kind of did that whole sort of look to those yeah. 70s cartoons, and yeah. oh, that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be really hard. You know, <laughs> it's going to be really hard. And now, mind you, it's not just a Trek thing with the animated. It is a a lot of animation from that time. I'm not a fan of Ricky Tiki Tavi. You know, ones like that. Rin Tin Tin was kind of hard. It, all that old animation style. It's a, it's going to be difficult. I was not a fan of 70s animation. I will say that straight up. So. <laughs> you are well on record. But we're not there yet. We are still with the NX-01 right in season two, right smack dab. Whereas if you heard in the last episode, we were fans of. We really liked this season. And Yeah, uh, this is definitely one of the better seasons. One yeah, of my favorite absolutely. seasons. Of Trek, yeah. honestly. The stories they put in this allow for some cool ground rules that eventually get played on and added on to later. And I, I, I do love that aspect. I love when you go back to like a prequel series and you have this entire, and it really only works unless you have this entire established universe that you've mm -hmm. created. And then when you go back and do a prequel series, you really can fit in those things that you like about it. Um, I think a lot of that was missed on the Star Wars prequels, which we are also fans of, but yeah, they didn't, like this does a better job of it than they that did. Absolutely, because this keeps all the rules. And what it does is it builds on the, the ethos that already exists and then just shows you how they got there. 
Yeah. And it's really yeah. fun how they did that. And I really like it. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful adventure series. It's a lot of fun because there's much more excitement to it because there's you never know what's going to happen. They're yep. the only ones out there and they're brand new at it. You know, so it's it's wild. The stakes are super high. They are so high, right? Mm -hmm. And they definitely show that you get how high the stakes are. And yeah. I think this was a show that didn't need to push that like they did in one of the episodes in this episode in this this show that we'll be talking about which is you know 23 <laughs> getting into the philosophy of enterprise and kind of where we know it comes from because again the prime directive doesn't exist the federation doesn't exist mm -hmm. uh it is so far away from any type of federation or anything yeah. that it get it gets hinted at in these seasons in this in the show but it doesn't really it's it doesn't get touched down on as heavily as it does and of course everything else exactly i mean this is at a time when we still have mako there's still yeah. a, an army you know that's something that oh, yeah. eventually there is no more army it gets disbanded uh and they touch on that in the kelvin timeline with uh the uss franklin in star trek beyond yep yeah, uh, and I, a former mako commander who then they gave a captain's chair to i love that too and i loved how they 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 add to that element of like we were trying to move past that our past of the war mm -hmm. of the world war three the eugenics war and being a warlike type of species we're trying to move past that desperately and i love the element that they add into this because it plays heavily into this season leading into three mm -hmm. agree so it, i just thought that was a very cool element that i kind of want to touch down on um and it's as we go on we're going to go so how you guys know we did in the last episode we're going to do it in this episode too we're going to go episode by episode kind of explaining a small summary on them talk about the ones we really want to highlight and then we'll go through a few other things and uh you know you'll have your episode that we love to do <laughs> and um, thank you so much this is for our patreons because we love and appreciate y'all so for that we are going through every episode Every in episode, every of series, chronologically speaking, because of how much we love this series and how much we love and appreciate y'all. We're even going to watch the god awful next gen episode where they that is very racist. Um, oh, if we're, yeah, we're gonna bad. watch them all, we got to watch them all, got to watch them all. I don't want to, but we got to. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's really important, shines a light on how far we've come and what it means in the Trek ethos to have an episode like that. And then I want to, and when we get to the episode, I'd love to talk about it a little bit more and maybe we can get a guest on for it as well. But, um, how the, the crew, the, the, the actors and the crew knew this is a bad idea right yeah. from the beginning. Like we don't even want to yeah. film this one. Uh, <laughs> so that self-awareness kind of plays in. I like that. It does. Um, but okay. So enterprise. Now we are starting with season two, episode 14, and that is called stigma stigma one of my absolute favorites because we get fiesel flocks yep oh my god so we got it you know talking about this episode so paul is diagnosed with a uh, uh you know a possibly fatal neurological disease and as a result because of the mind melt that she got from the first season that was against mm -hmm. her will uh and so she and flocks are working together secretly from the captain to try and find out if there's treatments at this medical like seminar if you will mm -hmm. and then when the flocks wants to go talks to the vulcans and and see if there's any type of treatment for it and we get a lot of surprises and, and, and a lot of things a light shined on who the vulcans are and how they right. feel about it 
Uh, but we get a very cool other B, B sort of storyline with uh, Trip and Flox, one of Flox's wives mm-hmm. and how she really wants to sleep with him. And he is trying his hardest to get away from her. Yeah, it's hilarious. So there's the two parts of this episode that I absolutely love is John Billingsley plays Flox. He's so fantastic. And in this episode, he really shines in the way he's caring to try to care for T'Pol. And I love the fact that we see T'Pol dealing with PTSD. It's a struggle. You know, it's it's hard with what this potential thing is. And we're we're seeing it handled very oddly by the Vulcans. The fact that they want to ship her off basically to an institution yeah. and just have her locked up for a while where she can meditate for a few years. Um, not Not the greatest. You know, not the best. I mean, I'd be okay with that, actually. <laughs> yeah, because it's a, this fatal neurological disease, just a, it, it, it kind of uh, breaks her down, and we see it going forward, like where her emotions become more into play. Mm-hmm. And in this, this is a big thing. All the all that that sect of Vulcans are very uh, not illegal, but they are very frowned upon within the Vulcan community and society in, in a whole. Yes, that they have no cure. They don't even look yep. for it. They just want them to die out. Yep. They they have no way of handling it. So they're like, ah, it's better if you're just not here. Yeah. That's their way of handling it. <laughs> Pretty oh, messed up. God. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it, this show became very good about making you dislike the Vulcans. Yeah, the Vulcans are just kind of jerks. And understand and seeing the importance of compassion and how that empathy makes us yeah. starkly different. Oh yeah. And does eventually come into effect Vulcan society a bit. We oh, do okay. kind of taint them with empathy. You know, as we go on, uh, yeah, we, and I, I 100% agree with you on that. And it is it's it is very cool to see that these two type of species that are very different in how they handle things coming together to, to work together for the first time. Like, the Vulcans could have just stopped by and first contact, hey, good luck with the warp, and then just left. <laughs> but they did stay close for all of these years to help you know kind of get us ready and get us going and I, I like that almost big brother type of program yeah that the galaxy has for each other right yeah we'll, we'll help out people who aren't jerks <laughs> but then they're jerks, <laughs> then they're jerks. but fiesel flox in this is wonderful because she wants to sleep with trip uh we know that flox has three wives that their his wives have i think five husbands or something outrageous uh they are just open with their sexualities no reason nothing to hide for them they're all about being open with it it's a wonderful society and Fiesel wanted to throw down with trip hard i mean big time yeah she wanted to get in that oh and uh and unfortunately he uh trepidatious which understandable the guy's been impregnated he's already had a bad (laughs) encounter with a an alien so uh, you know I get it. Pump the brakes. Little fear there, and also his for him, it's the respect factor. Yeah, he can't get over the idea of sleeping with another man's wife. It's just a weird thing for him. Whereas Flocks on the other side is like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. Like he wants to compare notes almost. He's <laughs> like, did you have fun? Uh, <laughs> it's it's so odd to me. Like as we go on, and 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 the more we learn about, um flocks and like his society because it comes into play later about how just the on both sides like it comes into play quite a bit at the second half of the season mm-hmm. yeah. with Fox and and to see all sides of him like he's a man of integrity but he's also a man who's like 
listen, this is how I was raised. But in this situation, it is very much a, this is how my society does things. And like, we're mm-hmm. not going to hold it against her or anything like that. That's not Absolutely. what we do. It's very strange how the two look so different. Because you've got, again, Fiesel is a brilliant engineer in her own right. So oh, yeah. she is phenomenally intelligent and has a great career ahead of her. So it's not like she needs anybody. And that's yeah. the beauty in this is how they are just an open, evil, even equal society. 100% agree. Um, I do dig I do dig that, how both storylines work in this. N- not always, on this show especially, do both the A storyline and the B storyline really sort of work out together and, and, and are both interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. But in this one, 100% for sure. It was a very good this one. This one, because the it gave us also really good comic relief. And there's yeah. some hard stuff on the way. So I think <laughs> <laughs> so, getting this one was nice. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we get to the second ep- uh, our second episode uh, we're talking about, episode 15, Ceasefire. And this is where the Andorians and the Vulcans are, are battling. They're at war with each other. Um, and Shran wants to create a peace accord and he asks archer to come in and just stand between and sort of broker that peace Mm -hmm. and it's a really big step because we start to see the the very foundation in this moment of what will eventually be the federation when we have an andorian and a human and a vulcan all standing together and talking uh so it's Oh yeah, I was just going to add to it that it sort of end it, the the episode sort of goes. Of course, so you guys know there's some drama to it. Um, a special guest star in this, Susie Plaxon, who's been on. She played uh, Worf's wife, uh, mm-hmm. Kalar, I think her name was. Yep, Kalar. Yep. Um, and then she was also came back in Voyager as the female Q. Mm-hmm. So she comes. She comes back quite a bit. She's like Jeffrey Combs in that right where she steps back in and does it does a lot uh, for. Uh, star trek but exactly and it's great to see because they're always there's always a bunch of different character actors that they return to so in yeah. this one when we get jeffrey coombs and Susie plaxon is fantastic yeah and and the fact that she plays the saboteur trying to stop this whole accord um it re- we see a lot in terms of who shran is mm-hmm. and why that's going to be a big element down the line in creating yeah. the federation w- and being I mean, willing just, to create the federation yep just being an absolute man of honor that's yeah, really I, I love thing. He's completely stand up and he's such a good character. And it's weird for someone who is so powerful in his command yeah. of, of a warlike culture. And at the same token, he's respected the whole way through, you know, and he's tired of war. So it's really fun yeah. to, to get to some more depth on the Andorians. 100%. Um, so as we go on, the next episode, episode 16, we have Future Tense. This was the one that really resonated with me too much. Like, it seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. What we get is uh, a, they find a capsule in space. It was they, it was actually a starship, but unlike any technology they've ever seen, um, there is a body in it. And once they start to, you know, sort of dissect and poke and prod and do testing and find out it's a human body, and the Sulaban start to attack, and the Tholians start to attack the ship, trying to get not only that starship back, but the body because it is from the future, and it's loaded with different codes of DNA. So yeah. there's all sorts of different stories it could unlock. So everyone's going after it. Uh, interesting episode. I agree with you. It didn't super resonate, uh, but I did really enjoy. There were a couple of great performances, and we got to see 
the start of some more of the uh, the things that begin to stick with us, mm-hmm. uh, like the red alert, tactical alert, yeah, things yeah, like that, for sure. And uh, and and the thing I liked about uh, with this episode, because I'm not a big Suleiman fan, mm-hmm. um, and I, and once they kind of went away, I was kind of cool with it, but it just this was an episode where it kind of gave us a little bit more information on the temper war which again is another thing i wasn't too keen on knowing but if you're going to stick it down my throat i might as well learn about it right. uh, <laughs> so it was just one of sort of one of those but didn't resonate too well with me i have to say acting was great across the board though everyone did a really good job it was just story overall i agree after after coming off of a, a couple of really strong episodes it was like okay yeah. little filler uh next episode is canamar uh, Archer and Trip are accused of smuggling and sent to a penal colony called Canamar. While Enterprise manages to negotiate their release, a mutiny breaks out on the prison ship, and now it takes Archer and Trip to try and win them back over. Classic the ship back over. It is. You said this when we were talking about it, and and I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but I, I just want to add to it. Like this is such a Con Air episode. Mm-hmm. And I 100%. didn't see it at first, but now I do. Yeah. I mean, they, they the whole thing is broken down the exact same way it is in Con Air. Well, very similar yeah. in that opening way when they first take it. Um, a fun episode. It was a lot of fun. I yeah. think there were some great performances. I think it went really well. The story progressed well. I loved the how they portray the all the different aliens. That we're really getting the right understanding of all, all the different species we're up against. So it was pretty rad. It really was. And, uh, you know, I, I like how the different aliens interacted. Like, Trip kept getting annoyed by the one next to him because he couldn't stop talking just because he was nervous. Um, how Archer kind of handled it. We got to see him play sort of a con man sort of situation, mm-hmm. um, which you don't really get from like the Picards and things like that. So it was kind of cool to see. No, so, it, it definitely showed more of his maverick, you know, think from the cuff. He's got a different idea. It's a different time, it's a different era of thought. So it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, next episode is The Crossing. Uh, Enterprise is held captive by non-corporeal beings who claim to be explorers, and they're taking over their bodies little by little all over the ship, and they refuse to be released. Uh, yeah, so getting into this one a bit, um, let's talk about it a little bit, because I didn't love this episode. Yeah, you, you know, I understand this one was kind of hard to fall in love with. It, it it harkened back to any any of the body snatchers, any of the things where, you know, body horror, where you get taken over and then kicked out to a different plane of existence is pretty weird. It's pretty yeah. odd. This is definitely something that Star Trek has dealt with before. Um, oh, yeah. And it's fun seeing how they do it in this one. I, it's swallowing up in that big ship, like the giant ship is cool. I thought that was neat. Um, and, and they had never the way- seen anything at that point like that, that big. Yeah, I mean, this is monstrous. And they had no idea what it was, and it just shows up and eats them. <laughs> it just swallows them whole. Um, good episode overall, but it, I, I think there were certain people who, when they turned, it was really cool. Like uh, Malcolm, when Dominic Keating turns, uh, when Hoshi, when Linda Park turns. I think it's really fascinating the way they did that. But, they, I mean, they, they had to lock away almost half their crew right. before they were able to figure out the way to fix it. Yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't – I'm not – I like the entity on board ones for the most part, but there's some that really just don't hit with me that well. Mm-hmm. And this turned out to be one of them. So. That's fair. The highlight was definitely Archer blowing it up. Yeah, Archer, Archer just sh- straight up. Archer showed what an absolute don't mess with me and my people he is. Like, there is 
no chance of you being like, I mean, anyone else could get could come along and get snatched up. So he was like, Nope, not gonna take that chance, blows him up. Yep, a hundred percent. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying a hundred percent. That seems really weird. I just agree with you, and I'm like, a hundred percent. I need to stop it. You're on repeat with a lot of your, your words. You're just like, I know, you're I, I feel like <laughs> I think I'm suffering through uh, whatever T'Pol has. Yeah, I don't know, bad mind meld. Flat, bad mind meld just throwing you off it because my emotion like we did this just a day ago so i don't know maybe some sort of strange deja vu <laughs> i know right it's kicking is me it in the tripping teeth. you up oh, oh that was that was good but tough at the same time <laughs> <laughs> oh lord we, we move on to episode 19 which is actually a very good one in my opinion is judgment yes. Um, the Enterprise lends aid to a group of accused rebels. Archer uh, and Captain Archer gets taken by the Klingons to face a tribunal and charges for conspiring against the Klingon Empire. Uh, it's there's a lot more layers to it than that summary really gives. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 to see for because this isn't the first time we see it, but this is an early on human in front of the Klingon uh, tribunal the council, mm-hmm. and it just nothing changed no no the klingons love putting us on tribunal i'm pretty sure because of that giant gauntlet that he uses oh, yeah. as the as the mallet this little thing about he loves that that's what they always want to show us the klingons are like look at my sweet judge mallet like my gavel is so so cool um one of the great walks things in with this- his gauntlet and then he's just like okay bang you're gauntlet battle gauntlet um, battle so one of the great things about this episode is jg hertzler uh, who's General Martok in DS9, we get him here as the advocate in Judgment for Archer. Um, really fun episode because it's Archer-centric, and we get to see him up against Klingons. So we get to see how annoying he is to Klingons and how how annoying yeah. humans will remain to Klingons throughout and how we got there. Like, how do we get to the war? This is all starting. He just bristles from the beginning, man. He does everything a little wrong the whole time and they wind up on Rorapente. Yes. So oh hold on one sec. Uh can you check your mic real quick? Yeah you're better. Uh okay you're good. Okay. Uh, I hit the thing and it just I gotta get the XLR back in. But anyway. Uh <laughs> neither here nor there. All right. Uh, okay, so I know we're starting. Yeah, so we get there, and uh, of course, that's famous for where um, Kirk and Bones were put in undiscovered country, that penal colony, and it's it's a nightmare. The was it the Dilithium mines? The Dilithium mines. Yep. Yeah. So they're he's Archer. Here's what screwed me up about this episode. Archer sent there for life for yeah. helping refugees. Yep. And. Uh, what's his name? Uh, his arbiter um, is sent there for a year. Yeah, and I, I love when he goes. Yeah, I'll be out in a year, but most people don't land uh, live six months. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like Archer's there for life, like legit life. now, like, and his life is going to be six months long. Um, of course, the episode, which sets up a big thing in the future, uh, uh, he escapes. Yeah, he pays off the guard and he gets out. Um, his arbiter stays because he's like, I need to make real change. So I'm just going to do my sentence and then start working at it, you know? And, yeah. uh, I, I like that hopefulness to the end of the episode. Agreed. 
it's it a definitely good one. gave it gave a lightness and it, it ended well and also gave us a, a really fascinating look at what we're going to see over and over again from the Klingons. <laughs> My God, right? <laughs> it helps us understand that they kept the tradition and they are no joke about their traditions. Yeah, that's legit. Um, you know, we get, we get, so that's a really good episode. Strong, very and, strong episode. You know, in any other like season, anything, I would say this is probably one of the best episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. But right after it, we get three of the best episodes of the season back to back. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's Horizon is the next one, episode 20, which I'll let you take it away because I know this is one of your favorites. This is one of my absolute tops. So Horizon is where we deal with Travis Mayweather going back to the Horizon, his old ship, uh, where his father has passed away and his, de- his brother is now in command. So it's a fascinating tale in brothers. Now, as someone who doesn't have a brother, like I have a sister, so it's a different life for me. You have brothers. So it's funny how yeah. we interact because I, I see the brothers thing. You know what I'm saying? I see where we come from just slightly different in how we start things in conversation. Yeah. Um, and it's great having that because I feel like in this episode, Anthony Montgomery absolutely smashes it out of the park. Uh, I unfortunately don't remember who his brother is, who the actor is who played his brother, but was phenomenal as well. Did a great job. I mean, it well, it's funny you mention that that you know, you're you are you. I don't have an, you don't have any brothers. I do. Um, I have brothers and sisters. You have a sister, and it, the dynamic too. We talked about this a little bit the other day as well uh, when we were preparing. Was that all my friends are older brothers? Mm-hmm across the board i am the in my close friends group um i am the only younger brother yeah everyone else is just so like that dynamic and what you see here Mm -hmm. really plays into it and i love that we both get to see it as different sides yeah and uh fantastic for that you said something the other day about um travis in this episode um and it was it was so it was like really profound for the episode especially, but it's a good one. Um, let me help you try to get out of your own way. I believe yeah. is what you said. Yeah, yeah. When Travis talks about that, so that's a really great part uh, that Travis brings up to his brother when he's like, "Let me." Like he is so intelligent now and grown that he's trying to assist him that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what further i said well no i mean that was that was kind of it but we were talking about that dynamic with them and mm-hmm. uh for me bring uh, yeah I, I think i brought it more into how what we get to see in terms of how these ships work out in the world out in the galaxy mm-hmm. like they're transport ships so like but to see how they deal with these pirates and like because we usually only see starfleet yeah, we, we don't believe that there are things out there. We forget about no. the transport ships and the fact that there are Orion pirates, which means there's there's piracy going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and this is at a time when there's barely any law. Like we we do not interact with many species out here. Like the the Romulans, of course, they have a minefield, and if you get near their stuff, they're either going to blow you up or shoot you. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So it's a fascinating look into the other side of the world that's happening around Starfleet as Starfleet is growing in necessity for some of these freighters to continue to be able to operate without the pirates. So it's interesting to see how all this is going to grow into the Starfleet we know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so I did like that inside look. Uh, and of course his, his best friend who walked in said two lines and left. 
Oh man, that was ridiculous. Like that's the most absurd, unnecessary character, and it upset me so much. So this girl, this blonde-haired, beautiful young woman, is sitting on Mayweather's bed. She says hi. They clearly have an exchange that they have known each other for their entire lives. Could be close. Could have maybe been something. Maybe a romantic interest. Maybe we could have had something wonderful. This woman is on scene for on screen for what? Maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, about. No, I wouldn't even say a minute. She was they in, go back and, and forth, and then she never comes back. Yeah, they and it's return so, to her. Nothing. They, they never, they never even mention her. But they, they kind of make it sound like they were friends as kids, yeah. and there's something that was left unresolved between mm-hmm. them. Or maybe like they were dated as teenagers or whatever. They never say, and she leaves. You're right, and then they never mention it again. Never. So much opportunity for growth. This episode set up the. Travis Mayweather like growth story because we got to see where he has already made it to how much further he's come and where he could potentially go. I mean, the the guy has gobs of anywhere that Anthony Montgomery has put forward for Travis Mayweather. And instead he just kind of fizzles. And I love the hatred almost like, why do you care about Archer? Cause he keeps trying to tell him like, well, Captain Archer would handle it this way. It would do this. And like the yeah. respect he has for Archer really plays into this. And uh, it really and- does. And we get to see that. So, and Corey Mendel Parker is the uh, gentleman who plays Paul Mayweather, his brother. Nice. So very nice. I just wanted to make sure I got that out there. Cause he was awesome. He, he really deserves mention. He was fantastic. I mean, they could have brought them back for an episode. I wish they did actually. Right. Instead of trying to pretend to be the expand, no, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> All right, next episode is the breach. So, at Doctor Flox's request, Enterprise attempts to retrieve three Denobulan scientists from the planet Xanatoris, where the government has ordered all off-worlders to evacuate within three days. Yeah, they really don't like aliens. Yeah. Tucker, Reed, and Mayweather navigate a series of labyrinth underground caves in search of the scientists. Meanwhile, Enterprise lends assistance to a damaged ship uh, fleeing the planet. Dr. Flox faces an ethical dilemma when one of the refugees of the ship uh, refuses life-saving treatment. The patient, an Antarian, holds a grudge against Flox stemming from the war between their races 300 years prior. Yeah, it was brutal. It's such a, it's such, a, but it's such a, an amazing episode because yeah, you the B story where they're kind of going into the caves was, it was cool and I like that they felt saw a lot of danger in it. Agreed, it was a lot of fun in that one because we get another away team stuff. And yeah, you know, me and my away team stuff, you especially love the away these team. two. When we get Malcolm and Trip together, they're just so perfect because they turn into bickering Bettys over something. One of them is never happy in their nope. interactions, and it's hilarious. They love each other but they bicker all the time <laughs> all the time it's, it's it's truly amazing and uh I, and I really like this uh this episode for that reason um but the biggest reason is what dr flox goes through and what we learn about him he, accepting the centarian's um uh request of he does not want to be treated by flox even though flox can save his life mm-hmm. and the duality of what archer and he are going through with this with archer saying you need to do this you need to just yeah. do it you're a doctor but you you put it really well about the hippocratic oath and i'd love for you to talk about and expound on yeah that absolutely that's one of the best points in this episode is at the there's a point where uh archer is arguing 
with flocks to make him like to try to sway him to convince him that he should do it's the right thing and then instead in his last moment is like all right well i order you and you know flock straight up says no and that's yeah. that's terrifying you can't do that that's your captain you know that's a totally different thing um but in that battle he brings up the hippocratic oath and flocks immediately knocks it down saying do no harm it's hippocratic oath is antiquated because the will of the patient is completely ignored in that mm. he's like and how is that fair so it's a it's a fantastic play into the idea that these an alien species that is as advanced as the denoblians have this completely different idea that maybe you should shut up and listen to the patient <laughs> you know it's it's yeah. an interesting odd take uh which inevitably does weigh on his mind and he does what for flocks believes to be the right thing so it's pretty cool and the right thing being and not to give anything away too much is that he actually goes and he listens mm -hmm. and talks and like that's the convincing so and there's a lot said there so I'm not you know I'm not giving that away but you should go check it out for sure it's a beautiful story of intolerance and how we're supposed to grow out of it eventually but how <laughs> hard it is bred into us sometimes uh so all right, so the next episode we have is Cogenitor, um, and this is Enterprise encounters a hypergiant star. While there, they make first contact with the Visians, a technologically sophisticated race with three genders, while making quick friends and eagerly learning about the advanced technology, Trip gets curious about the Visians' third gender known as the Cogenitor, which is crucial to the Visian reproductive process. Against the wishes of the Visians, uh, Trip befriends the cogenitor and encourages it to defy its culture's boundaries, which by the Visians are made aware and are angered by. This is a very heavy episode. It really is. And it plays really strong into how the Federation will eventually have to walk that line of respecting other cultures that we don't understand kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. It's a hard episode. It was beautifully done. It's a magnificent episode. It's easily one of the top five of the season. Um, mm -hmm. It deals with that whole third sex very well, giving an entirely different skew on how things are looked at by, an, by a different society, like the way it potentially could be. One of the best parts about Star Trek is how they just reinvent ideas constantly, like any of these things could be. We don't know. Infinite possibilities. So just play around with it and yeah. enterprise does a great job playing with it most of the time yeah this one did a good job though with uh especially with archer and to see how involved in the first season as we talked about he was in really breaking the prime directive in a lot of ways and all the time <laughs> all the time and but realizing and like he but the nice part about his arc in the first season was he was learning from each experience like wow okay i did something positive here that's great and then an episode later it's like no, you catastrophically screwed people and mm -hmm. other species. And it's like, ah, oh, okay, we need a rule. You know, so like he yep. started calling for it. And to see him go after Trip at the end of this and and really lay into him, which we've never yeah. seen him do with anyone before, and really lay into him to the point where Trip realizes I screwed up because he gave this uh, cogenitor uh a wealth of knowledge and learning how to read and things like that in just a few days and what it did to that cogenitor um which i think chose a gender at the end she chose as a she woman did. right mm -hmm. yeah um and 
you know, for her, then she comes in and, she, and for her to choose based on all this knowledge she brought in and what it does to her is heartbreaking. Oh, it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. And it was really well done. Very well acted. Really yeah. enjoyed this episode all the way through. Like you said, Archer shines in the end. Uh, and Trip, it, it's great to see that what happens with the negative effects of white knighting. Kind yeah. of when you stick your nose in where it doesn't belong. You know, sometimes you just have to learn and accept things at face value. So it was really great to see that. Uh, yeah. And then we get to the next episode, which is episode 23, which is the penultimate Borg episode, Regeneration. Um, yep. This was Arctic, an episode. An Arctic research team makes a startling find cybernetic creatures, Borg, buried in the ice. When the revived aliens seize control of a spacecraft, it's up to Archer to keep them from contacting the collective and threatening Earth. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's about yep. all we got. This is a dumb episode. It's a bad episode. I don't like this episode. Like, the acting yeah. was great. I have to yeah, say I mean, the parts of this episode were fantastic. There's very little I didn't like from what I saw on screen. You just did a Borg episode, and and in order to do the Borg episode well, you have to let the, as you say, Mick, I'm going to let you say, what do you have to do with the Borg? Leave them alone. Stop trying to investigate who the Borg are. Stop trying to go back and saying this is their origin. Stop trying to add them. Leave them alone. If you wanted to have an encounter with the Borg, you could have literally just done it this way. But stop adding to it. Stop adding like, oh, there was contact here. The, the only time you should ever make a dramatic episode about the Borg and create a storyline other than they just want to assimilate you is when they're getting, when like like you said, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Ian, well, no, what was his name? The Borg from Next Gen that came Hugh. out of it? Yeah. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh that's Ivor. right. Um, yep. And then, uh, yeah, that's a great episode. Um, again, because he's coming out of being a Borg. Seven of Nine coming out of being a Borg. So, these are going to create the drama that's really good. Every show that does, we're going to go back and retell the Borg. It never works, in my opinion. And they don't let the Borg be the Borg. And yeah. it's what you got to do. 100%. That's why it's funny because uh, we're going to get into it on this week's uh, Quarter Impulse, too, which is kind of funny. Uh, and I'm not going to give away too much, but like Picard in all three seasons handled the Borg, like yeah. handled the Borg in different ways. And it was terrible except for the third season <laughs> when they just let the Borg be the Borg. I don't know. I like the idea of it in the second season. I really liked how they did that. You and I, I enjoyed that a lot. We'll talk about it on Quantum. We'll get <laughs> there. Impulse. We'll get there. We got a ways to go. <laughs> I value your opinion, but we'll, we'll talk about. It. But yeah, um, so episode twenty-three is is yeah the worst. Terrible. The worst this season. Every season Star Trek has one super bad episode. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Could be the greatest series that's ever come out. For some reason, there's one awful episode, and, and from, regeneration was it. I'm sorry. I was going to just add to that. I think from now on we should we should pick out best and worst oh absolutely yeah. um Season yeah wrap up sure and i think regeneration i know we talked about it kind of in the first one in the first half of the season mm -hmm. but there were no episodes marauders was probably the one that was closest and is not on the regeneration level. and honestly marauders is only frustrating because when you do something so many times you're not when you take that magnificent seven seven samurai whatever you want to call it story 
when you try to redo that, it has to be done perfectly. And I'm not saying everything has to be perfect. I'm saying your beats have to be right and your characters have to be someone I want to see you save. And if I don't want you to save them, you're probably not going to have a great episode. <laughs> but it's still good. It's still a good episode. Regeneration is crap. <laughs> and then it, it it then we get to the next episode after that was was a great episode. First oh, flight, amazing. First flight. Oh, after his close friend and colleague A.G. Robinson is killed in a mountain climbing accident, Captain Archer tells to Paul about the warp two test flight almost ten years earlier, where A.G. and Archer were enemies they were yeah. they were workplace sort of enemies they were both test pilots and ag was better yeah 100 percent. it's an iceman maverick kind of thing yeah you know he was just ag was a better commander ag was a more seasoned man whereas mm-hmm. archer was still shaking off the young you know he still yeah. had that impulsive drastic do the crazy thing because it could work out sort of mm-hmm. mentality AG had kind of put that to bed and was trying to teach Archer to do that, but was also competitive himself. I mean, you can't, you're not going to be a super test pilot like that without having a bit of a lot of edge to you. Yeah. So, but respected each other, really liked each other. And I love how this informs on Archer a lot. It's a really great episode. And the fact that he's retelling this to Paul when they interject, I, when they keep shooting back and to Paul be like, wait a minute, but you just said, and like, it's great with her questioning about it throughout the whole time it's really a great episode and she does a great job in that episode with the interest of learning more about him Mm -hmm. you know so and i and really just i dug that aspect of it it was great Um, yeah they made their b line tied directly into their a line it was pretty rad yeah i love when they do that i love Mm -hmm. when it ties in um all right episode 25 bounty another good one uh, after exploring an uninhabited planet, Captain Archer is taken prisoner by a Tellarite bounty hunter who was hired by the Klingons to return Archer to Quanos. Quanos? Kronos. Kronos. Yeah, I don't know why I always screwed that up. Because <laughs> it looks like Quanos. <laughs> I can't even say English words right. I'm not going to say Klingon. Right? <laughs> How am I supposed to Klingon? <laughs> I don't know what you mean, bro. <laughs> so it's pretty wild because Archer is, in fact, wanted still. Remember, he's got a life sentence looming over yeah. his head on Kronos. Uh, one of the cool parts about this is we finally get a full-on interaction with the Tellarites. Before this, we had had a few, like, once, I think, on view screen and then once over comms. It's not often, you know, Tellarites are there, but just kind of keep to themselves. And this one is a full-on Tellarite human interaction between archer and this bounty hunter which again i love that i love the opening that archer was the first to not the first to make contact with every one of them because he wasn't there for the vulcans but he works closely with the vulcans first contact between humans and the andorians Mm -hmm. was archer and now the tellarites and uh the humans are archer well maybe not the first contact well because tellarites were still shippers too we yeah, all yeah. Use similar shipping lanes. So the Tellarites, the Vulcans, and us kind of figured it out. The Andorians were a little further out. Yeah. So yeah. But this, this, this is more. I, I, I would, I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't put it as first contact, but I would put it as a. This helped bake the Tellarites into being one of the founding members, it and did. it was Archer's doing. Yeah, and know? it shows how that kind of came about because we're going to see eventually that the Tellarites are are kind of the jerks. Out of everyone, yeah. the Andorians actually wind up being friendlier than the Tellarites, which is ridiculous. But <laughs> craziness. So, 
And 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 I love it because when you get down the line to TOS movies or or, or, or next gen and so on, mm-hmm. the Tellarites are very different. And not yeah, even I'm not even talking about look, I'm talking about how they act. Even the Andorians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. all very different. That's hundreds of years. Well, a hundred yeah. years, maybe sixty years. But still, it's at a point yeah. where your federation is different. Um, the Tellarites are presidents, you know, yeah. like heads of the federation. It's pretty wild. So they did a good job in this one. I also really liked how the crew came together to save Archer. Yeah, that's they very true. They figured out something's wrong. They're like, oh, man, it was pretty good. Pretty good. I also love the fact that uh, by the end of it, like the Tellarite working with him mm-hmm. and, and how it played out for him to get away was, was very right. cool. Um, all right, let's go on to the next one, which is actually the season finale of two. The Expanse, an alien probe, launches a devastating attack on Earth that kills 7 million people. Archer, still being hunted by the Klingons, brings back the Enterprise back home to investigate, and Tripp's sister is one of the fallen in the attack. Yeah, man. So it's, uh, it's a tough one. This is where we get introduced to the Zindi, mm-hmm. which play heavily into the third season. We'll get into Pretty that. Pretty much all of the third season. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is very much a 9-11 allegory, what's going on here. And this being 2002... Right after you know nine eleven had happened, um, the like the very next year, um, you know coming back out, it's it's sees it. You see a lot of parallels in season mm-hmm. three, which we'll get into in those episodes. But it starts here. This is, for lack of a better term, the ground zero of that propels uh, Archer and Enterprise way farther than they've ever been. Yeah, it gets us into an entire war. Yeah. It gets us into our first official intergalactic war. So, which is being done by Archer, who is a Klingon war criminal. <laughs> and the Romulans have already seen, scanned, and like logged their ships. So they're kill on sight. Yeah. Like, we're not doing great. Enterprises, <laughs> NX01, we... this first year is hard. The second year is tough. And you know what? I, the one thing, the one aspect, because you find out with the Zindi, it all sort of changes. But why they attack Earth is because ultimately they believe that Earth is going to attack them. So they years take in the future. Yeah, so they take a preemptive strike uh, on them. And and again, we'll get into it when we get to third season. That's where things are really revealed. But I wanted to bring up in this one that how much of what Archer did and how much of his name getting out there screwed a lot of things up with a lot of species like we were talking about the klingons and romulans but now even this expanse feeling like mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna go take these out <laughs> they, yeah, they're crazy we're making a lot of noise just knocking around being loud <laughs> uh, really we did is. get some pretty cool stuff though i mean we did get the no. uh the enterprises retrofitted so we yeah. have photon torpedoes now we have increased hull plating we do have our phase cannon so she's a she's a strong little bird the Columbia gets uh gets it gets announced in this uh, which is the yep. second X um O two, yeah. Um, and it does not get it. It does not leave port until the fourth season. So don't get right. too excited. We just <laughs> in this episode it, it gets touched down on that is being mm-hmm. built. Yep. Um, and then uh, and then I believe they have oh it's the planetary defenses. We get to kind of see the planetary defenses yeah. and what it looks like and understand that yeah there's a lot of warp two capable ships like we. We have a fleet, but yeah. they stay close. There's not far for them to go. Warp five yeah. and above is where you start to be able to travel and really get some distance. 
and I, I really love uh kind of where they went with this and 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 in this episode we'll get further on that i'll expound on that later but in this episode i'm like they're re- i felt like they're really setting up something drastic like shockwave did yeah and it turned into too drastic and and uh one thing i was talking about in the first episode that i kind of want to touch down on here is how i think star trek nemesis as a movie influenced the third season yeah all right get get into that a little bit i'll talk about it more when we talk about third season but to touch down on it now the action everything that we get thrown at us in season three that starts here is very early 2000 late 90s early 2000s um action uh oriented like a lot of cliches there um getting into the war it's not handled the same way it's more it's again it's more man of action whereas like when you watch the dominion war in ds9 there's a lot of action but it's mostly about figuring out how to end it how to stop this what's going on whereas we're the ones who are gung-ho on revenge (laughs) we're hunting yeah and it's a very different place now how do i say that comes back it gets birthed from nemesis is because nemesis in my opinion out of all the movies and there's there's some doozies but out of all the movies besides jj's it's the one where it changed especially the next gen movies in a completely different direction that isn't star trek it was an action movie mm. everyone yeah. had their action moments yeah it 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 was it was written the guy who wrote it is an action writer the guy who directed it is is primarily like so i felt like going into 2002 when they were going to put it out um nemesis was like they're we're gonna do more action we need more action mm-hmm. in these movies because insurrection then was more of a talking movie you know had a lot of great action I was going to say, I disagree, but I also understand that it was. And I, that, that, that's what I've always loved about Star Trek is give me my talking. We need yeah. that. The personal connections are what continue to make Star Trek. The growth yeah. of characters that comes through talk and then the action is the culmination of either their growth or maybe falling backwards a little bit and how yeah. they are going to have to redeem themselves from those actions. So I, I've always enjoyed that aspect. And you're right. Nemesis did not go that route. It went very much so action and and the reason i say that is because i truly feel like uh for interaction when interaction came out that was it's the last movie in the next gen series of course first contact was huge mm-hmm. insurrection did fine but it just wasn't a box office hit it was like, not yeah it was it made its money back was pretty average yeah a year later I mean, as a fan i was a huge fan oh yeah yeah and i think for a long time in the mix of Star Wars existing and Star Trek existing, everybody knew this is what Star Trek was. Everybody knew this was Star Wars. If you want that action war fighting, go there. Go Star we'll, Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll give you we'll give you plenty of conflict, but it's going to be on our terms within our realm. Mm-hmm. And Nemesis is different in tone from that. It's more Star Wars. Yeah. And I think that's because the prequel started coming out. This is following on the heels of Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean Nemesis by that. So what do they do with the show? Which which this season three came out a year after, mm-hmm. not even um, after Nemesis came out. So 
they were already filming it. So I think, it, honestly, I feel like it came down. We're going in this direction for Nemesis, and you guys aren't doing well on the show, so we need you to start going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know it makes sense to you, but am I being, am I making sense? You or am I, in, sense. am I an incoherent bear shaking a rattler? You have, in fact, said it properly. And I hear no rattles. (laughs) When I keep in mind, everybody, when I say, "Does that make sense?" That's not the the shitty way of saying, "Uh, "Does that make sense to your brain?" That's me saying, "I don't know what I'm saying half the time." Did these words come out good and stuff? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you feel like you have dyslexia after hearing me talk. Not not completely uncommon. (laughs) But that is my theory. And I'm gonna show a lot more comparisons to what I see and like touch down on more in season three about the nemesis thing. Uh but I wanted to open it up there because this is where it opens. This is where it's like we're going into action. And this is where it happens, and it's a great way to end season two because it was still very promising to me. I really liked that they did this because absolutely someone would come blow us up after making up that much noise out in the earth, out in the universe. Oh, yeah. So it's only logical. Yeah, we'll talk about season three when we get there, but congratulations. That's the end of season two. But we're going to go over real quick. So let's go over our highlight characters of each episode. Mm -hmm. And we'll touch down on the half season. Uh, Stigma, what's your highlight for that? Uh, Who's your highlight? Stigma, for me, this was actually uh, one of those that I gave to Trip. Okay. I love Trip in this because I like seeing him trying to do what he thinks is the honorable thing, <laughs> fighting his instinct of, well, of course I want to try doing this. Of course I'd like to humper, but it's not right, and it's not good. And it's very fun to see Trip become the litmus for what human being, I don't know, human beings and their idea of what's right justice you know what what's the way things are supposed to be moral and ethical codes being broken trips moral and ethical codes constantly come into play and this is a highlight of me for that it was a highlight for sure i really like trip i'm gonna give mine to archer Mm, okay because i feel once he steps in and he learns the secret of what's going on with Paul and how upset he is with not just to paul but flocks for keeping it from him um and the fight that he puts up with the vulcan council on what's what and and the fact that at the end of it he stuck by what to paul's wishes were yes yes he 100 percent stuck by to paul's wishes even though it could have bailed her out even when the other adjudicator came out with it and came forward with it and and archer's still like nah that's my crew and i respect her yeah and that yeah pushed it even farther with her respect Mm -hmm. for him Oh, um, man, she just lit up over it. I mean, as much as she can. Once yeah. again, Jolene Blaylock is amazing. She She's rushes being a Vulcan. Because you got to remember, we got Spock half Vulcan. So that's who we know all, all this time. But to Paul, as a full Vulcan, yeah. and starting to really get into this experience of emotions is fantastic. If you want to know how good to Paul is in the show, and, and honestly, again, once we get to season three and four and how they did her dirty, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first two seasons, and even season three and four, uh, her reactions I'm talking about, is from the beginning, to Paul is mostly eyes. And what I mean yep. by that is like her reaction really comes from her eyes. Like they'll, mm-hmm. they're, if they're dead set on you, it's almost like they feel lifeless because she's no emotion. Mm-hmm. 
But when she gets infected and slowly, and I went back and I was like looking for things, even before you find out about the neurological disorder, mm-hmm. her eyes start shifting. Her eyes start yeah. getting weird. She start, starts looking more nervous. She starts mm-hmm. like, and it's all in the eyes. And then like, she'll say something, but it starts there. And like, that's great acting. It really is. I mean, she has a few moments where I love in this season, she has two or three moments when she's leaving someone's quarters and wants to say one more thing, mm-hmm. but doesn't. Yeah. And she does it so poignantly and perfectly and her timing and the pauses that she takes and how she just does it. She really feels like I there's because a couple of the times it's like when she wants to almost thank the captain, but yeah. you could hear her say it and then go, that's illogical. You can hear her stop herself from yeah. saying it. It's awesome. So she crushes it. Yeah, fantastic. Just just wonderful. And I, honestly, like one of the best Vulcans in Star Trek history. Oh, hands down. You know, and I, I love Spock. Oh, yeah. But to Paul gives him a run for his money. No, it's Paul's right up there, man. Uh, all right, so now with Ceasefire, who's your um, who's your highlight character? Oh, this is Shran, a thousand percent. Yeah, me too. Shran, Shran all day. <laughs> He's so and good. It, I'd like to say that's the last time I'll pick Shran, but I know it's not going to be. No, Shran's too good. They bring He's him back so too well. He's a perfect Andorian. Susie Plaxon is right up there too. She's they, good. They they just brought it, man. They brought it from two great perspectives. So I love that one. Yeah. All right, we go to future tense. Who's your uh, who's your highlight character? Nah, this one was annoying. I don't know. I kind of bounced back and forth. I think Archer sometimes. I feel like that Reed had some good good screen time in this one. Yeah, I, I, I I'm gonna give it to Archer because I do feel like in these episodes, when it's when it's poorly written, it's mostly Archer dealing with things. Now that's not him being poorly written. He knows no, his character. Yeah. But he's at the forefront because I feel like whoever wrote these was either just trying to, like, go to the bathroom on time or get home on time or something or, like, was a guest writer. But I have to look it up. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, All right. The next one is who should I like character in Canamar? This is actually an archer for me all the way. I like seeing Mm -hmm. him play that kind of a jerk, Um, kind of that punk role. Uh, really love to Paul in this one too, when she's taking over on the bridge and she's trying to get her captain back. Like it was fantastic. She did a great job. Deserves Good a lot episode. of credit for that. But uh, Archer definitely gets to take here. He's the Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Agree, and I love that he plays it up too. Um, all right, the crossing. Who's your highlight? So this one, I actually really like. Uh, I like Hoshi a lot in this one. Yeah, because Hoshi is one of the last holdouts before she gets taken. So it's really fun to see her, Linda Park, really playing that. And then the turn she has, just it was great. I love yeah. it. Very cool. Uh, I would actually, for me, I'd probably go Reed. Okay. I really liked how Reed kind of played this one a little bit because mm-hmm. um, he's the first infected. And then just, and, and the reason I'm saying is because maybe it's not Reed as the character, but the Dominic uh, Keating. Mm-hmm. playing both those dual dual roles so and he does it really well yeah yeah um all right so we got next uh judgments archer archer 100 an archer episode i mean uh jg hertzler is strong you get yeah, to but... see jg hertzler hold his strong against scott Bakula. you know yeah, what i'm saying like good. there's a reason he's a character actor because i believe that arbiter is 
screaming at him fighting for his own soul. It's beautiful. Uh, Horizon. I mean, clearly it's it's the girl who comes into his room and talks to him for three seconds. Yeah, minute and 27 second Jane. We're going to call her. <laughs> She's great. Oh, my God. It's no. so frustrating. I want more of the Mayweather stuff. No, but this is 100% Travis Mayweather. It's a story. It was his story. And it was really well done, beautifully executed all the way through. I loved it. Yeah. Anthony Montgomery's stud in this. Yeah. The Breach flocks mm. for me. I mean, I don't know how it could not be flocks. Yeah. Like, it's it's hard to choose someone else in that episode. Yeah, it's just got to be flocks. Um, yeah, it's so good. And I, now I do love the B story, and I love the bickering whenever you pair up Trip and Malcolm. So together they work <laughs> as a highlight, but but really flocks because of the power he has in denying the order. That's the thing that blew my mind when the captain orders him to do it and he says no. It's like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so. I one thing I did like and you reminded me about as we're talking about it is the dynamic between Reed and uh Trip as they go on the spelunking mission with Travis, who's an expert spelunker. Yeah, he's just he's happy to be doing it because he enjoys it and he's annoyed because they won't shut up they just keep complaining it's so funny it's so good (laughs) he's like you guys are gonna get us killed and they eventually almost do they do it's their fault the freaking security officer always does the security breaches (laughs) always 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 um wait till next gen (laughs) co-genitor who's your highlight (laughs) I mean, I want to like anyone else, but Trip is Archer's the highlight here because of the the chewing he gives. Yeah, Trip. We really get to see Captain Archer have to do things because this is a family. We've seen them be a family and love each other and respect each other as a crew, and this is the one where Archer has to come down as the captain yeah. and say, "Yeah, look, you're my second officer, but you can't. That's not okay." And really reads him the riot act in a beautiful way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna go Archer on this one personally, uh, for the same reasons. Yeah, uh, regeneration. I'm just gonna Flocks say, Archer. beat the Borg. Flocks beat the Borg. Okay, I'll give it to Flocks. I love Flocks. Flocks beat the Borg. I don't, I don't, <laughs> like I don't even want to talk about it. Screw it. Flocks, <laughs> just keep going. Sure. First flight, <laughs> first flight, Archer. Archer, uh, to Paul yeah. is great as a narrator in this episode. Yeah, I really dig that and seeing her kind of grow, but. I love, was it Keith Carradine as A.G. Robinson? God, he was good, man. The two of them pushing each other as nemesis and just fighting. Oh, it was beautiful. And then working together at the end, it was perfect. I really enjoyed this episode. It was such a good episode. Um, All right, let's see what we got. All right, next to Bounty, which is another Archer. Archer. I mean, you can't. There's no one else to give it to. That's Archer. <laughs> All right, and then we finish off the expanse. Who you got? This one's a little tougher because everyone played the shock factor phenomenally well. I think mm. everyone trying to deal with what happened was great. Yeah. Um, but I think Archer still takes the cake in this one. I got. I'm gonna give it to Trip, dealing okay. with his sister, and not dealing with the sister. I'll be honest with you. I would almost give it to Reed over that just because he, the, the way Reed confronts Trip. Yeah. The that's way true. Reed brings it to his face. That's like, a good one. <laughs> understand what you're going through. 
Like it's great. It was beautiful. It um, all right. So what's who's your highlight character for the whole for the whole half of the season? Okay, so for this half of the season, my highlight character, I think, actually kind of works out to be Flocks. Yeah, I mean Yeah, yeah, Flocks. I'd agree. Flocks. Flocks, I am I'm torn between Flocks and Tapal. The reason being we get to see these two aliens dealing with humans and growing themselves as they have more interaction with humans. We're also seeing T'Pol really come in her own. Jolene Blaylock has owned this character from yeah. beginning of the season all the way through. She's most consistent, most prominent, and does a fantastic job. Yeah. John Billingsley crushes it as flocks. He gives us the slate of the other eyes. What would it be like if maybe our ethics aren't as, aren't as ethically sound as we'd like? You know, yeah. And by being that mirror for us in our society, it means a lot when we find out that his society just wholesale infected a planet and tried to wipe them out. So, I mean, genocide on a mass scale, it's terrifying. Yeah. Like, they, so you find out some rough things about the Denobulans in this. Big time. So, yeah. uh, it's really great to see, but we also find the love in, in Fiesel. You know, we get to see that side of the Denobulans. We get to yeah. see uh, the episode where uh, Night Shift, a night in sick bay. Yep. I mean, we oh, get well, that was that. that was earlier in the season, but yeah, it was, that, that yep. was another That's great season one. five. But we get to see that growth of flocks, and I yeah. continue to you continue to see that all the way through. I so. agree. Um, yeah, I agree with you on flocks um, for all the same reasons. Nothing really more to add to it. It's just he does a fantastic job. John's Billingsley's acting in it is great, uh, and you get to learn so much more. Um, all right, best episode of this half of the season uh okay well there's two there because i have a best and i have my favorite okay what's your I best th- and then what's your favorite i think the best for continuing on the story of an archer centric tale was first flight yeah i think learning the history of him growing the uh, relationship between he and Tapal and informing on who ag robinson was who drove him i think absolutely makes it the best episode my favorite though is horizon it's a good one. I think the brothers is just great. The bond is wonderful. Uh, Mayweather crushes it. It was a really well done, really well done episode. Uh, my favorite episode of the season, and I, I actually I put it down as the best in my opinion, um, is Cogenitor. Man, it's so powerful. It was so powerful from beginning to end, and it also is one of those episodes as I was watching, and I was like, "I'm with you, Trip. You're right. This is how it is, especially in today's society here on Earth." Like mm-hmm. you're right, you you should be sticking up for this person, um, and and helping them and and giving them a chance, and then see what it means ultimately. And not to say that it shouldn't happen. We're a different world, but that's right. the takeaway. Is like, it's a different world. It's a different place, different time. You can't be. You can't just step in like that and f- to see it blow up in his face in such a devastating yeah. way. It, it, it was it was heavy episode. It is very heavy, and this season is really littered with amazing episodes. I am yeah. so impressed with this season. So, how do you feel about your wrap up, brother? What do you got uh, for season two? Uh, you know what? It's a great season altogether. Uh, this second half really killed. Uh, I really did enjoy it. I really liked it, and and uh, it's a shame when we keep kind of going forward into season three and four because I I just feel how strong this season was. And they just took it in the wrong direction, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's actually the best season of Enterprise. I agree. This is 
the best season of Enterprise probably is a top five season of Star Trek for me. I and it. I will, and that's only right now though. I mean, as we're continuing this rewatch, that can change. Like, I mean, it's been a while for some of these. Mm-hmm. I haven't done burned through a TOS season like in its entirety in a while. I know. So, oh, it's going to be oh, wild. And going back into DS9, I'm going to get some heavy hitters. I can already feel them out there. They and are. We got a lot of a lot of series in front of us, but this is a great series. And uh, this was really the feather in their cap. This was when they were all running on perfect. They were cooking with oil. They were crushing it. Yeah. This was the best of the best for this this cast and crew, in my opinion. Um, yeah, great. So. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And if anybody is wondering what our worst episode was, go back and listen to us talk about regeneration. Yeah, right? you'll get it. <laughs> so you'll completely understand what our worst was. All right, guys, I want to say thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Warp Factor Fiction. Move on with us next month as we go on to season three of Enterprise and the Zindi War. It's gonna be interesting, and we have a lot to say about it uh, yeah. as we go on. So please join us. We want to say thank you for being patron supporters. We appreciate you so much. Um, go check out our other show, Quarter Impulse. It's a small 15, 20-minute show where we talk about different aspects that we really enjoy or hate about the Star Trek universe. And we've done a few so far, and you can go check it out about the Prime Directive um, and so much more. Um, so go check those out. Let us know what you think. Sound off in the comments. Join up in the Discord because we're talking about it there as well. We're having fun conversations there. So other than that, we love you. Check out the scene snobs wherever you are. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Casey, take it away, my friend. Love and appreciate y'all as always. Thank you so much for being here with us. Hopefully, you enjoyed what you heard, and uh, we'll get you into season two and prepped for season three. So, as always, be kind to yourself, be kind to each other, and live long and prosper. Thank you so much for joining in for this episode of Warp Factor Fiction. Remember to check out our other episode of this month. And next month we'll have two more episodes covering a whole new season or movie for you. We really appreciate you joining in. If you guys are really interested in what we're doing here, make sure to go check us out. Again, the video is exclusive to Patreon, so you can go check that out. But check out our YouTube as well because we have lots of fun interviews with Jonathan Frakes, Will Wheaton, Todd Stashwick, and many more coming up from the Trek world and we'd love for you to join and remember we have our companion series Quarter Impulse exclusively on our YouTube channel where we get in depth about different versions and variations of Trek that we really enjoy thank you again so much for joining in and I will talk to you soon take care from the scene snobs